Welcome to the Agency Profit Podcast, a show dedicated to going deep space on agency operations, which is just as nerdy as it sounds. I'm your host, Marcel Petipoff. I'm the CEO of Parakeeto, a firm that helps digital and creative agencies measure and improve their profitability. Join me as I interview some of the smartest thought leaders and agency owners in our space and go deep into operations and metrics and all the other things you need to get right so you can spend less time worrying about operations and more time executing on your vision. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Agency Profit Podcast. Today, I'm joined by the CEO and founder of Sales Schema, a fractional new business team for marketing agencies and B2B service companies. He also hosts the Digital Agency Growth Podcast and is the author of a couple of great books, including Mastering Account Management, the B2B Sales Blueprint, and a new book that's coming out soon, so stay tuned, called Relationship Sales at Scale. With all of that, Dan Englander, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much, Marcelli. I really appreciate it. It's good to finally have you here. This is our third time trying to record this podcast. We've had technical issues both other times. You had COVID in there at one point, yeah. and the sales scheme was growing a lot, which is excellent. But we're finally here making it happen. We've done thorough tech checks. Uh, if this doesn't work, then it just wasn't meant to be. But here we are. Uh, fingers crossed. We're I hope not. Yeah, and I've I've been there too, and it's uh, it's always it's always frustrating. <laughs> so no worries, man. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited to have you on the show because, like, as you know, and as the audience knows, we try not to talk about sales too much on the podcast. And my thesis on that is, like, there's tons of other podcasts that you can get great information about sales from, your show being one of them. And, you know, part of what we were trying to do differently was stay away from that topic. But I break my rule every once in a while when I meet somebody that I think has a POV that is unique that really aligns and I think adds a ton of value. And that's why you're here today, because I love the way that you think. And I love the balance that you strike between, you know, process and really some of the soft skills that come along with making lead generation and new business successful. So I'm super excited to dig in today. Before we do that, I want to give you an opportunity to, in your own words, share what you're doing over at Sales Schema. Yeah, for sure. Thanks so much for that, Marcel. Really appreciate the, the warm intro. Um, so, anyway, uh, at Sales Schema, um, like the intro, you know, we're a fractional new business team. Our core company competency has been working with agencies and marketing service companies. I come from the agency space originally. First, working on an, on the account side back in the early days of social media. Literally, I was answering problems with broken electronics on a Facebook wall for a major electronics brand. Uh, then led new business for uh, Creative House and helped them grow and get to seven figures and stuff. And then started sales schema in like 2014. So what we're doing is we're working um, as a BDR or business development rep would um, for our clients and going out and making sure the pipeline's full, getting meetings for them, regardless of however busy or not busy they happen to be. So there's a lot more I could get into there. (laughs) I mean, uh, we've beaten that horse, I think, to death on the show. But for anybody that hasn't been reminded of this, the starting point for agency profitability is always having more work than you know what to do with in your pipeline. That's what allows you to do all the things that make you profitable. Say no to clients, um, you know, ask for the amount of money that you need, be diligent about scope, um, you know, just have leverage in the sales process. So that's a big part of the reason this is important. And I just want to reaffirm that. What I want to start with, Dan, is what has changed about the way that we buy complex services. And that's what agencies sell really is complex services, things that you can't always explain exactly how it's going to happen or what it's going to look like. Um, and what's changing about the way that those things get transacted in the market. 
Yeah, it's, it's a really good question and probably a lot. Um, but my my hypothesis that I'm kind of laying out in this, this new book, Relationship Sales at Scale, is that markets get mature a lot faster now than they used to because of the internet and because of everything going digital and spread of information, et cetera, et cetera, all those things that we know about. And when you're talking about a professional service business that you know you can you can start and you can deliver from with a laptop and an internet connection, um, that is especially true. And you know, if you even if even in the tech world, even with software products, I think that dynamic is happening uh, as well and is happening fast too. So just because a market becomes mature and because there's a lot of other players there doesn't mean that it's a bad business or that, you know, you made a mistake and it doesn't even necessarily mean that you're a commodity. It just means that it just affects the way that you have to communicate and market and sell yourself. Um, and the whole, there's the whole marketing side of it that involves a lot more, but our, our focus is getting meetings, right? Getting meetings between a skeptical decision maker, you know, typically in a mid to large company, uh, and, and a professional service provider. So, so the question becomes how do you how do you best do that? And I think the the um, conventional wisdom for the last X years has been, well, that person is going to do tons of research first, and they're going to want to go through a million articles before they ever get to me, before they ever agree to talk, right? And that that's sometimes true. I'm not saying it's not, but I think that. The reality is that person doesn't necessarily want to have to do that. And the barrier to actually getting that call, uh, it might be lower than you think. It's just a matter of how you do it. And I'm, I'm blabbering a lot. So let me know if, I'm, if, if you have another question, if you want to butt in. But I think that as part of that, you know, as part of like markets getting mature, there's a high, there's a high degree of skepticism, right? And the, the scarce commodity is no longer that information. It's trust. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like they might not know exactly how you're delivering your social media service or your influencer marketing or whatever whatever you're doing, but they generally understand like the problem you solve and what makes you and all these things. And your 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 core value is much more subtle and ephemeral, and nobody gets to experience it until after it's been delivered, right? So in the context of a situation where trust is the scarce commodity, not information, how do you de-risk that conversation, right? And our our whole opinion, which is backed up by us doing, you know, hundreds or probably thousands of these campaigns over the course of years and seeing what used to work and what, what doesn't work anymore, is that it's more about the sort of stuff that's timeless and about building trust through relationships. And we have a process we call relationship sales at scale, mm -hmm. which is the idea that, that, you know, the sort of people that are going to take a meeting with you are the ones that are in your sort of sphere, your circles of influence, right? Like you might have your clients, the people that refer you business. And then there's the next layer out. There's the people that, that are connected to those people that are like your clients that are going to be likely to talk to you or, or, or the people that are going to, you know, where that conversation is de-risked. So our whole philosophy is why not start with those people as opposed to doing what almost everyone else is doing and just going cold and just kind of optimizing for these arbitrary metrics that don't actually lead to new business. So that's, that's a whole lot of stuff. Um, so I'll, I'll leave it at that for now. <laughs> I think it's a great it's a great stage to set for this conversation, right? So with that thesis in mind, let's talk about where you see a lot of agencies going wrong when they decide they're going to start employing cold outreach as a strategy to generate leads and appointments for their business. Yeah, it's a great question. And everything I just just I just talked about in the grand scheme of things uh, is it's is asking questions that have very tactical answers, right? So to, to answer your question, where do people go wrong? 
it's not with it, it, yes it's with the tactics but the more foundational problem before the tactics is the strategy of who's doing what that's usually where we see agencies going wrong this plays out in one of probably a few ways um, i think the most common is you get a CEO or, or not a CEO, a partner, an owner that doesn't necessarily want to be involved in sales and uh, but but has to. So they're they haven't cleared off enough time to actually do it and, and frankly enough motivation to do it. Yeah, we want to grow all this amount, but they haven't actually emotionally committed to the cost of that, to the fact that they're going to have to get on calls. And also they're going to have to admit that they're not as good at it as they think they are and, and improve. Um, because a lot of the times we're working with companies that have built themselves up on referrals and personal networks and selling to somebody that's not referred is a different situation. Um, there's, there's, you know, there's advantages to it and it's really, that's how, that's how you have to grow. Um, but it takes optimizing your own processes, right? So that's, that's the first one. Um, and, it's, and sometimes you have to just have an owner selling even, even in a relatively big organization. The other one is, is instead of committing to doing it, um, they'll hire that sales role too early, right? That closer role. This is something that, that I talk a lot about where if you hire somebody that's really good at closing deals, most likely they've developed their chops in a situation where they were supported, right? Where they had leads coming in, they had a process, they had all these things. And then if you don't have that car built for them, it's just like you hired a NASCAR driver without a car and you're like, well, good luck, you know? Hopefully you can just run around the track and beat the other cars somehow, right? It's like it's not it's not going to work. So those those are the two big first order things that come to mind. <laughs> uh, but there's probably yeah. more. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I like that mental model, and um, yeah, I agree with it. Again, this is why you're here. That aligns exactly to how I think about it. Um, I want to dig into some of the nuance here, um, especially as it relates to, I think one of the nebulous intersections that everyone's trying to strike when they're thinking about cold outreach is like, what is that sweet spot of it's scalable enough that it's efficient and you know it's cost effective and it doesn't require you know somebody with like um, an MBA to like have understand the nuances of how we reach out to clients or do the research or build the lists versus, um, you know, it's not completely impersonal. Like, how do you strike that relationships at scale kind of model? How, how should we think through getting to that sweet spot where we have a process that's scalable, but we're also not coming across like every other person that's trying to get uh, share in inboxes for client side? Yeah, it's a really good question. And there's, of course, not, not one way to do it, but I'll kind of like illustrate it by giving a case study and an example, then I'll, I'll probably go a little more annoying and academic from there, right? So like recently, we, we've had a client and they're, they're a big healthcare focused marketing agency, agency of record, right? They do big campaigns on television and that kind of thing. And they're going after, you know, very hard to reach buyers, uh, hospitals, um, the, the biggest pharma companies on earth, by life sciences, uh, you know, over-the-counter drugs and that kind of thing. And what we knew is we're like, okay, we, we've been here, like we've been around a while and we've done campaigns to these verticals. And if we go in cold and we say, hey, we're another agency, look how awesome you are, look at all of our case studies, look at this funnel, we're gonna put you in the funnel, we're gonna hit you on LinkedIn and phone and email, and then you're gonna wanna talk to us and do business with us, right? It's a numbers game. Uh, and we knew if we did that, it, it would not work. It would not work in a, it would fail in a spectacular fashion where like, the domains would stop working people it would just be a mess um so what what we did is we said okay you know our client is originally from australia so we said 
what if we were to first build this list of thousands of accounts that we get on the same page about, we pre-approve together. So if we get you a meeting here, we know it's one you're going to be happy with. And then from there, we find not that gold, not necessarily always that golden title you want to talk to. Like you want to talk to this, let's say the CMO, right? Um, not necessarily that, but what if we find like a handful of titles you would be happy to talk to that are at least going to get you into the company? So that might be, you know, the C-level, certain marketing roles, uh, and maybe it's like five to 10 titles at each organization. And then from there, what if we were to find the people that are either from Australia or have a common connection to Australia? Maybe they went to college there or something else. And then we have this circle of influence, right? Like if you think about Dunbar's number, if you've ever heard of that, it's the idea that, you know, we have an immediate five people that we love and trust and that we go to in times of stress and, and hardship. And then it goes on from there to, uh, I forget the exact ones, but friends, like a tight circle of friends that you might invite to a party. And then you have 150, you know, acquaintances and you have 150 people on the periphery. But I think it keeps going. And there's, there's people that don't know you, but would at least be willing to have a conversation with you based on on certain business and or personal commonalities. It's basically just an expanding orbit of your influence. So that's kind of what we did in this case and got him meetings with with people that sound, uh, if I told you about them, would sound very smoke, smoke blowy, C-level people at the biggest companies on earth, some of which developed the latest vaccines, right? Like people that are very hard to reach that don't take these meetings lightly were able to say, yes, I'll, I'll talk to you. Um, because you sat down or you wrote me an email and we have this connection and almost nobody does this. But the reality was the scale element was there because we might have been contacting 50, 100, 200 people per business day. So that, that's kind of an example of it. Um, I think that if you're listening, you're like, okay, how do I do that? You know, And I don't want to just make this a pitch for us. Um, I think that even if you can't necessarily get that sophisticated right away, if you start thinking about this on a simple level as in, you know, okay, we attended a trade show last year. What if we just find the companies that that that, that exhibited there and we emphasize those, right? Um, or, or, you know, you're looking at, you have this big list of companies you want to do business with. Well, which ones are the ones in your backyard, in your hometown? Start there, you know, so th those are a couple ideas and thinking of things more in this way, I think is way more useful. Um, and and really what, what I like about this, and I'm not going to say it's never going to change or that this will work like the exact tactics going to work forever. But I do think there is something kind of timeless and tribal about this, right? For the tribe can have very yeah. negative and very positive connotations. Um, but I do think there's something about this that doesn't just go away with the next the next, you know, uh, the next thing over the horizon, basically. So, Do you want some free resources to help you measure and improve your profitability? If you do, then I want to tell you about our agency profitability toolkit, which you can grab absolutely free in the show notes or by heading to parakeeto.com forward slash toolkit. It's packed with training videos, cheat sheets, templates, and all kinds of other great resources to help you start measuring and improving the essential metrics that are going to drive better profitability in your business. And it's helped thousands of other agencies around the world do the same. So I want to encourage you to go and grab a copy of that. And if you'd rather get in the fast lane and just have our team of experts guide you through the process of measuring and improving your profitability, then I want to encourage you to apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. And with that, I want to thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the episode and I'll let you get back to it. I, I couldn't agree more. Like I have this strong thesis of two things. Number one, um, everything is about trust, right? Like especially hiring decisions, it all comes down to trust and 
all of the things that we over index on and that we think matter, like our portfolio and like our pitch and our positioning and all these things, like they're all just peripheral to the fundamental thing of how do we get across to somebody that they can trust us to get them the outcome? Cause all that's, that's all it comes down to. They want to get an outcome. They want to deploy some investment against getting to that outcome. And they're just trying to de-risk that that is going to be wasted time, wasted money to get there. And the fastest way to build trust is to leverage trust that's already existing in another relationship. Like, yeah, I know this to be true because it's basically how I've built my entire career and every opportunity that I've ever had that's been good has come out of doing that either intentionally or unintentionally, just finding ways to leverage trust that exists in relationships. So I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I don't think that that's going anywhere. That's a human condition. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and, and not only that, but I think that it's, I'm not saying case studies and all this stuff don't, don't matter at all. I just think they're table stakes and they don't come up until later in the sales process. It's, it's a problem if you don't have them, but they don't really do that much. You know, they, they don't really like, they're not going to, they're not the be all end all, let's say. Um, so, and just to kind of like go over, like, like you said, like thinking about mutual connections, one of the most common campaigns that we do is looking is basically finding um, our clients mutual connections to the people they ultimately want to talk to and then using that as the way in, right? So we might have a campaign where we, you know, we have this list of accounts we want to break into. We have our clients highlight everybody they know, you know, usually using a source like LinkedIn to find those people and everyone they'd feel comfortable reaching out to. Then we find the people they're connected to in those accounts. And then we basically do a campaign to that first group and say, "Hey, Bob, haven't talked to talked to you in a while. We're working on some business development initiatives here at Acme. Um, you know, can can we find some time to talk? They get on those calls and get referred. So it takes a little a little more time, but the way that most of us, like in a sales or business leadership role, are doing that sort of networking, it's very like haphazard. So that you know, if you could actually be deliberate about it and actually identify the people that are that know someone and then spend that time that's time very very well spent and, and, and because you're you're getting those referrals at scale so that's like another example of how we're thinking about it so i want to touch on that because i i also have a thesis on this i actually did a training on this for a group uh that i coach in and i want to i'm just curious to get your feedback on it so this is kind of like this is a weird question but my thesis on this or my framework on how to do outbound in a way that's highly personalized is I start with the who we're targeting and then I write the email first and that tells me what the merge fields should be for the list building exercise. And I think mm -hmm. what so many people get wrong is they go, here's who I want to target. They build the list and then they, they try to write an outreach email around the merge fields that are predefined to them by whatever platform or whatever service they've built the list from yeah. where I take this different approach of like, what would the ultimate email look like that is personal yeah. and stands out and get somebody's attention. And then I figure out if it's possible to get that information somehow. And it might be ugly. We might have to do mapping calls like day zero Parakeeto. We built a software product that only worked with QuickBooks. I was paying people in Mexico to call agencies and the script that we figured out works was uh, the receptionist would pick up the phone and we'd be like, hey, can you remind me, are you using QuickBooks or Zero or something else for your accounting? And they'd be like, oh, I think we're using QuickBooks. And that's how we built our list with the merge wow. fields to say, are they using QuickBooks or not? Like think outside the box and be willing to make that kind of investment. I think that's how you end up with copy for an email that it's like they're sitting there receiving it. And sometimes even just the fact that they're like, there's no way this was a mass email is enough for you to at least get the conversation started. That's my thesis on how to yeah. do this. I'm curious what you think about that, Dan. 
No, I, I couldn't agree more. And like internally, that's how a lot of our proprietary processes are built for finding non-publicly available information. And, and it's not it's not easy. And like, you know, I, um, and that's some of the biggest data companies on earth, the, the ones that are like at the billion dollar, dollar level, um, one that somebody very close to me works for in the real estate space. That's literally what they do. Like you think that they have, because people don't, th- you don't, we don't think about this with data companies. We're like, they must have like a Professor X orb that's just like pulling stuff. But no, it's like literally uh, gangs, because I've talked to, to this person um, the, the, about how they do it. And it's just like a gang of cold callers that's just calling up people in the real estate space in this case and getting the information. So that's, that's much, it's very dirty and it's uh, not, not ethically, but it's the process is dirty and it's time consuming, but it does really work. I've never thought about it in terms of writing the template first, but I think that's really smart. I think that's, that's a, that's a great way to do it. Um, To talk about kind of the copy side of this uh, that's, that's kind of how we think about it. I think that what we found to work really well in our process is that if you have a strong degree of personalization, you know, like that, that hook, like, Hey, we both are from the same country. We both went to the same college or we're in the same hometown as long as it's not New York or a place that's so big that nobody cares. Um, (laughs) sometimes that can make up sometimes like that can be enough to get it. And then while there's benefit in getting a lot more information, there can be diminishing returns because that it makes the process harder to repeat. So it's a fine line. And I think that what you it sounds like you found something that worked really well so i'd say if you can do that like do that all day for sure uh, so i i love what we've covered today um i want to make sure that uh we touch on this last thing which is like if somebody's going out and they're getting started doing this what's the first thing that they should do and how do they know if it's time to change the strategy or change the tactic or if they just need to keep going because i think that's the thing that i I see a lot, right? Either people, um, they have too much discipline or not enough. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they're not really sure how to figure out which one of those two things it is. Yeah, it's a, it's a really great question. I mean, I think the first thing is to figure out who's doing what and then count the costs of it, right? So if you're an owner, you know, being able to block off the time necessary to, to do the sales and to know what it's going to entail. And like I talked about earlier with those kind of divisions of, of duties between strategy ops and just hustle. Um, from there, I, I think it's kind of working your pipeline from bottom to top, right? So you're you're obviously prioritizing the people that are further down the pipeline and then focusing on the people that are higher up from there once they've actually made it to a stage of, of interest. Um, be, beyond that, you know, I, I think that we talked about a lot of tactics on the on this uh, on the podcast and everything, and it's really easy to kind of like spin your wheels and try to be really sophisticated with it. Um, but don't overthink it, I think, is the main thing. Like figure out, okay, where do your best clients, who are your best clients, who are the people that are most likely to buy from you and you're most likely to help and all that good stuff. Um, there's there's endless <laughs> podcasts and materials on avatars and all that. So, you know, hopefully you have an idea of that. And then figuring out who are the ones that are that are in your circle circles of influence, right? So, again, that could be your hometown. It could be a million other things. But thinking about it in that way, and I, and I actually really like – that template concept is, is a kind of a forcing function. So if you were going to write them a template, like you said, Marcel, it's your idea. Um, what do those fields look like? And then I'd say take that even further and start with that one field. Like what's the one field that would be enough to de-risk the conversation? Um, and that's, that's probably a good starting point. And then from there, we could go really far down a technical rabbit hole. But I think from there, it's making sure that your messages are seen, right? If you're if you're like optimizing any sort of marketing funnel, the first thing is to make sure is just 
go go you know brick by brick you got to go brick by brick and figure out okay if the messages are being seen and not being responded to responded to then that means there's something about the copy probably assuming you're you're going to the right people and then okay they're you're getting responses but they're they're go away or they're gonna follow up with me later then you're figuring out okay then it's 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 something about the connection or, or the offer or, or something like that. Um, and then, and so on and so forth from there. And then there's the whole land of sales coaching and, <laughs> and process optimization. Yeah. So that's a lot, but hopefully that's, uh, that's useful. It's a great answer. And the thing I want to double click on from this is none of that stuff matters. None of the tactic tactics matter. None of the sophisticated stuff matters without consistency. So consistency is the first priority and complexity is going to be the enemy of that early. So to your point, just get started. Yeah. Don't overthink it, get consistent, and then iterate and build and add complexity. Um, but I think that's a really good takeaway. Yeah, exactly. And I'll just I'll just add to that. Like a lot of the times people want to get all their ducks in a row, but we've had campaigns work f- with websites that are like from the 90s, you know, just based on the strength of the connection. <laughs> uh, that's, uh, that's a whole other thing. Like inbound marketing definitely matters. Like we're doing a podcast now and ideally you, you have that going, but you know, if you've been around the block for a little bit, um, you, you can and get meetings if you do this the right way and, and so on. So I just say, get started with it. Yeah. So with that, Dan, uh, you're obviously a thought leader in this space. You're creating a lot of content for those that want to get more of you in their world. Where should they go? What note, what should we leave in the show notes for them? Yeah, totally. So we have, uh, we have a video training that's on demand basically. And that's just saleschema.com slash relationships. And that goes through examples of copy and case studies and just more tools and that sort of thing. So hopefully that's helpful. And then beyond that, always happy to connect. Uh, my email is just dan at saleschema.com. There you go. So we'll leave links to those free resources as well as Dan's podcasts, uh, his books and links to uh, his profiles so you can connect with him and get more of him in your world. And with that, Dan, I appreciate for you for coming back a third time to make sure that we got uh, this out to the audience. Really, really glad you you found some time for us. Uh, my pleasure, man. It's probably, probably for the best. I think it's a better episode as we, we get further along in this, uh, this journey of business, <laughs> right? So appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. And with that, for all those of you listening, let us know wherever you're listening to this, what you thought of the episode, what questions you have. We always love to hear from you. And with that, we'll see you on the Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you've ever found yourself thinking, man, I get so much value from this podcast. I wish there was something I could do to return the favor. Well, today's your lucky day because you can leave us a review wherever you're listening to this. And it is incredibly helpful. Of course, if you haven't grabbed a free copy of the Agency Profit Toolkit, go and get that. It's got tons of free resources to help you improve your profitability. If you're looking to get in the fast lane and get help from experts to improve your profitability and measure your most important metrics, then apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. We'd love to chat with you and figure out how we can help. With all of that, thank you so much for being a listener and we will see you on the next episode.
next episode.